2: It is said that we all have an inner demon, a side of ourselves that we keep hidden from the world. For some, this dark side is nothing more than a minor annoyance, but for others, it can be a full-blown nightmare. This was certainly the case for Anna Eklund, whose inner demon took the form of an evil spirit that tormented her day and night.
3: In 1928, Anna Eklund was visited by an exorcist named Father Theophilus Reisinger. Father Reisinger performed a series of prayers and rituals in an attempt to rid Anna of the evil spirit that was tormenting her. Unfortunately, the exorcism was unsuccessful and Anna's condition only worsened. This is her story. This is also a deep and disturbing episode and may not be suitable for those who feel that they will be triggered by this story or who may be of a sensitive nature. Please, this episode is not suited for children. Hi, my name is Renata. And I'm Anne, and welcome
2: to this week's episode of
1: supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
2: Hey, Renata, welcome back to the
3: studio. I'm going to beat you to it this week. You did. I just opened my mouth and I you know. just said it.
2: I had to do it. It's going to discombobulate everyone because now I've done it and not you. We've broken the mould. I know. I yeah, know. I feel like I'm full of mould at the moment.
3: <laughs> you still you still oh. haven't shaken that... Um Lung the thing. lurgy,
2: yeah, yeah, the the joy of the lurgy. So, again, I apologize if I cough and hack. It, I think I'm slowing down a bit, but it's not coming off my lungs. Mm. And I've just had a round of antibiotics, mm-hmm. they've done sweet bugger all. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anything, they've done a bit of harm because yesterday I came out and rashes all over my body just to top it off. You
3: did, you sent me these photos, and yeah. I've gone, Oh my god,
2: yeah, of my upper thigh. She didn't know what to do with that. I don't send those photos to just anyone you know, Renata. No, we're not a couple. (laughs) My husband saw it before. She saw it, and she better not have shown her husband. No, I didn't. Good. No, no, no. No, You don't want to risk, um, you know, being allured to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. Yes, well, it's been it's been an interesting morning. We are actually starting to record this in the afternoon. Um, this morning we have had just a tumultuous morning doing a bazillion things. We've had to cancel an event for next weekend, um, oh, which it was by the time so good. Yeah, by the time you hear this, it would have been over. Yeah, um, but we have had to cancel a sleepover event at Walland which we've been trying desperately to put on, and we sort of put it up before the end of last year. It was such an enormous and wonderful uh, event that we had created. And just because of all the stuff that's going on with Omicron at the moment, we just can't guarantee that people are going to be safe. Well, it's meant to be peaking at the time we were going to have that weekend. And
2: look, I know personally that I've got friends going down left, right and centre. We've managed to dodge it and we've come so close so many times. Yes. And as of Monday... We're going to be really exposing ourselves, aren't we? Oh, we are. We're getting on a plane. Oh, no. Pray for us. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to Queensland. We're going to catch up with Isaac, mm-hmm. Mr. Buttsman himself, mm-hmm. and Little Dixon, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing some filming up in Queensland. They've got two locations for us. Mm-hmm. One's
3: a um, public- da- Dark hole. Dark hole. <laughs>
2: oh, we do. And we know about priest's holes, don't we, Renata? <laughs> we do.
3: <gasps> She's going to love this. One's a dark hole, and the other one is a- A um, private residence. A private residence. Which is now an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But they
2: don't want us to tell people that. Well, they don't want it known that they've got uh, haunting issues, but apparently they've had many, many customers uh, reporting on this place as being um, ghosties lurking in there. So we'll we'll let you know what we can, but um, we'll obviously keep the location quiet. But I reckon they might actually sell more... More beds if people think it's haunted. Yes, but you know, you know what it's like. No, the, the ghost hunting population is actually a very small um, percentage of the people who
3: would normally rent an Airbnb. Hey. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're a little bit behind the times in Australia yes. when it comes to accepting our um, our ethereal friends, but never oh no. mind. Never there's mind. There's a demon around every corner. There
2: is. There's one um,
3: lurking in here right now.
2: Yes, oh, is there? Yes. Do you need to go to the toilet? No. <laughs> Get that demon out, please. Do oh. not do not let that demon loose in a closed room. <laughs> Please have have some uh, thoughts for your poor co-host here. (laughs) Now, speaking of demons, this is a rather... Heavy topic. Heavy. We do these occasionally when we look at exorcisms mm-hmm. and possessions. And look, kiddies, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but Auntie Anne and Auntie Renata are saying no today. Yes. This is not for you. Go, Be- go,
3: and, go and watch the telly. Go and watch a Disney, Disney yeah, classic. Go put Disney Plus on. Yep. Go watch Dumbo or something like that. <laughs> I don't laugh. my I lost, little grand... I used to cry at Dumbo. I it was know those so
2: mothers were so cruel to that little <laughs> elephant. Oh. Talk about bullying! I know. It's and then d- poor Mama Elephant gets in trouble and locked up in a cage because she defended her baby. I know. Oh, bloody hell, Disney! <laughs> and do you, oh, do you know what Roman pointed out the other day in the original Disney cartoon? What? And it's pretty horrendous. But this is this is where our thought process was back in these decades this era Mm -hmm. that when they came out to build the tents that all of the workers were African American ah right all of them Mm -hmm. and they came out of the same sort of pens that the animals were living in (gasps) Isn't that just dreadful? Oh, my gosh. So I, have a look at the old Disney Dumbo and um, see, uh, yeah. as I said, different time. We we're all learning. And you know, as I said to you the other day, Renata, we'll look back at these decades mm. in 100 years' time when we're still alive and go, oh, my God, I can't believe we treated people like that.
3: But it's like you shouldn't have to learn that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's we're learning. Yeah. Come on! Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's learning. shocking. It's how do you even say that yeah. when it comes to how you treat other people? Yeah, we're exactly learning right. how and to do it.
2: I think uh, uh, oh. some of that's going to leak across into this show today too. Oh
3: yes. Mm, mm, mm. Anyway, strap yourselves in, people. Well, strap it on. We're We've, got, go. <laughs> <laughs> we've got an opinion. Oh. <laughs> we're not. We're not afraid to
2: tell it. We're not afraid to flaunt it because we've reached two hundred thousand <laughs> downloads in fifty-two episodes. <laughs> That's right. And we are in the top 10% of the world for podcasts. Yes. Eat that up.
3: But now we just need a sponsor.
2: Yeah, we just need to make some money. It'll be <laughs> fabulous. Speaking of which, if you would like to become one of our Patreons and support the work that we do, because we are now officially content creators, um, head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, look up Anne and Renata. You'll find us there. And you can become one of our Grand poo bars for, I think it's around $10 a month. And uh, that supports the work that we do and that supports the work that we do and you can become part of our little community there that gets all the inside goss yes and That's there's plenty sure. plenty of that yeah very much appreciated shall we get on with the show yeah we shall it must be remembered that these battles and encounters with the devils extended over a number of days At times, the answers were interrupted by hours and hours of yelling and howling, which could be brought into submission only by prolonged prayer and persistent exorcism. Often, no further answers could be forced from the devils in any other way. Countless brats of devils also interrupted the process of exorcism by their disagreeable and almost unbearable interferences, As a result of these disturbances, the woman's face became so distorted that no one could recognize her features. Then too, her whole body became so horribly disfigured that the regular contour of her body vanished. Her pale, death-like and emaciated head, often assuming the size of an inverted water pitcher, becoming as red as glowing embers. Her eyes protruded out of their sockets, her lips swelled up to the proportions equaling the size of hands, and her thin, emaciated body was bloated to such an enormous size that the pastor and some of the sisters drew back out of fright, thinking that the woman would be torn to pieces and burst asunder. At times, Her abdominal region extremities became as hard as iron or stone. In such instances, the weight of her body pressed into the iron bed, so the iron rods of the bed bent to the floor. So that excerpt today came from a little pamphlet called... Begone, gone Satan. And who was it uh, written by? Father Karl Vogel. Right. So that was a priest. I mean, it was transcribed, wasn't it? From Yes. Yeah, uh, from German notes. Yes. So it was uh, a whole description of what happened. And I think it was Theoph- Theophilus.
3: Theophilus. Theophilus.
2: Ressinger. Is it G or G? Ressinger. 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 Like Helsinger. Yes, yes. All right. So it was by them. So, um, yeah. Well, now, this, this has been a little bit of a discombobulation, word of the week, um, to present to you because uh, there's not really... The whole thing is historical. Yes. So we've decided that we sort of present it this way in that Renata's going to present the first part of the Possession and Exorcism and then I'm going to pick up on the latter stages and then we're both going to discuss... What we think went down. We're going to heave in with our opinions. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: All right. So with that, Renata, I'm going to hand over to you. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, as mentioned before, there is um, a bit of depth in this topic Uh, we will hardly raise a giggle because we shouldn't be. Um, It's quite deep, but it's a very interesting story. And I didn't know anything about this at all until I was researching other exorcisms and uh, this name kept on coming up. Yeah. Can I just say that we don't raise giggles here. We raise wheezes. We we do. We raise (laughs) wheezes. Um, And this goes back to the 1800s, which again is there isn't a lot of written information. Like you can't have lots of photographic evidence or digital evidence because it wasn't around back then. But they do say that this case was one of the most well-documented uh, cases in modern-day Catholicism when it comes to exorcisms. And that is only because of one piece of writing. Yes, Right, so it's the most well-documented... Oh, it's
2: well-documented.
3: Well-documented exorcism... With one... With one little 48-page booklet written by the main exorcist with no one else really having any say in what actually happened we'll just sit on that thought let's keep going yeah let's just let's just let that we'll sink unpack in. that later yes yes we'll make a container for that <laughs> yeah. anyway so um, as mentioned, much of what is known about this possession and exorcism of, we'll call her Anna Eklund, comes from the work of Father Carl Vogel in 1936. Um, and the Catholic Church approved Vogel's publishing of the pamphlet um, and the instructional way that it was uh, written, because it is an instructional pamphlet on how to it deal is. with
2: exorcisms. It reminds me a little bit of the Drunk Monk's book.
3: Yes. But that's a lot longer. Yes. Mal, Malifus Melophus Melacarum whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's called Satan Be Gone and uh, it was chron- chronicles oh, catchy the Catchy title find <laughs> oh, no. that. Yeah. See, I got a wee. Everyone wants a copy of that. Uh, it was it chronicled the exorcism um, in 1928 that happened in Erling, Iowa, of a young lady called Anna Eckland. So that's we're in not, America for this one. Yes, yes, and it's not it's not her real name. Her real name is Emma Schmidt, mm-hmm. but they call her Anna Eckland. I don't know why. Didn't get to that because. This is one of those ones where you find the same information repeated over yep. and over again. And um, you can go through 10 pages of Facebook or Google, 10 pages of Google, and find the same things repeated. Yeah, as if Facebook's
2: going to give yeah, us anything worthwhile.
3: Uh, repeated in every single person that brings this up when it comes and to... And they all you... very conveniently leave bits out, don't they? They, they do. We'll get to that later, but though. But maybe they didn't get to that bit. We just dug a little bit deeper. Yeah. Anyway, um, now... This was a pamphlet that was produced by Carl Vogel and was granted total access to everyone involved in the case. Oh, bless them. And then it it, it was actually released um, and it could have been purchased by anyone. Oh, I'd and, love to have an
2: original copy of that.
3: Oh, it's out there. You can buy it. Um, now 50 cents H.A. Kelly mentions in the book The Devil, Demonology and Witchcraft that there is a second source uh, for information and according to Kelly the bulk of Satan Be Gone was derived from interviews with Father Joseph Steiger mm-hmm. that assisted in the exorcism Now a priest named Father F.J. Bunz wrote a second account of the possession as a pamphlet called The Erling Possession Case An Exposition of the Exorcism of Mary and um, is oh, and... this, a third name? Yeah. Um, the Exorcism of Mary, a demonic and certain marvellous revelations foretelling the near advent of Antichrist and the coming of persecution of the church in the years 1952 and 1955. That's... Thanks for whipping that out so <laughs> I can get that cough out, Renata. <laughs> That's a really long, a really
2: long title. Well, it's another catchy title. <laughs> I think Be Gone, Be Gone Satan Might Have Sold Better. <laughs>
3: You wouldn't get any hits on Facebook using no, that title. Not
2: Facebook. It's <laughs> not bloody Facebook. Jesus. YouTube. YouTube. You, no, not YouTube. <laughs>
3: Google. Oh, Google? Yeah, the interwebs. All right. right. We'll catch up to Um, speed. So, this 1934 publication is purported to be taken directly from the German notes of Father Theophilus Reisinger. Can we just call him Father Theo? It gets a bit difficult. No, I like saying Theophilus. Uh, Reisinger, the primary exorcist. But you don't like saying Banff? No, we don't. (laughs) Um, And this is interesting because this Erling case. is where the, the juicy bits are. Mm. So I'm surprised. And it's hard to get hold of yes. too. Yes. Yes. It costs a lot of money to get that bit. Yeah. We've tried. We've got <laughs> excerpts
2: and I did ask for, because you can ask for permission to be sent it, but nobody replied. No,
3: I did too. I asked from the, um, from the. The website? The, the website. Yeah. And yeah, nothing. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> So, unless otherwise noted, everything that um, from the exorcism itself that you're going to talk about mm-hmm. actually comes from Begone Satan. Yes. Begone Satan. So, additionally, because Vogel used the name Anna Eklund, it was really hard to find any information um, about this young woman's past mm-hmm. um, and the original time uh, prior to all of this that had started. So, um, she has been called. Um, Emma Schmidt Anna Eklund and Mary X Mm -hmm. they're the the three different names that have been used for her Mm -hmm. um, in the descriptions of this exorcism now uh, what information I have is literally two paragraphs and I'll go through that great That's okay. Show people. No. no. No, we have a lot to talk We've got about. We've a lot to unpack. So Anna was born in 1882 in Marathon, Wisconsin, and received a just a normal elementary education. So there was nothing really outstanding to be said about her. Her father was Jakob Schmidt, um, and he had a reputation of being very much against the church, and he was a womaniser. Now, Problem is he married a very Catholic woman mm-hmm. um, and there is very little that is talked about when it comes to Anna's mother. Never hear about her. Mm. Although, but you do hear about. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay.
2: We'll See, done. I didn't we'll say it because I'm not going to give it away like you do. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to pull a card for you. <laughs> Stop saying
3: sorry. You did nothing wrong. So... Uh, Jacob, or Jacob, as we're going to call him, was an alcoholic and may have sexually abused Anna. Oh, there's so many stories around that one, isn't there? But there is no evidence that he did. Hearsay. There is hearsay that he may have abused Anna. Uh, So there is no information really to be uncovered about Anna's mother. Uh, the best estimate is that her mother must have died in the early eighteen nineties, but her mother did have um, a quite a big um, effect on um, Anna mm-hmm. because Anna was devoutly Catholic, mm-hmm. devoutly Catholic, which would have peeved her father off no end. So it's alleged that in nineteen oh eight, Anna's aunt Mina. Who may also have been uh, her father's mistress or may have never existed mm-hmm. again. Hearsay, or, or be his sister. Or be he Oh, I didn't know that bit. Well, if it's the aunt. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So it's
2: either uh, the sister of the, the mother or... Yes. Uh, I I've read it inferred in places there that it was incestuous and mm-hmm. that it was his sister. But ah. again, all
3: hearsay. All hearsay because, because the little village where they lived in, or the township where they lived in, tagged the aunt, Aunt Mina, yeah. as a witch. Oh no. She was known as the local witch. Oh. A right? good witch or a bad witch? Well, it seems to be a bad witch it because does,
2: she's sleeping with a brother. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and they um allegedly, all right, so here's allegedly. the story. Allegedly, uh they started cursing um Anna by placing herbs uh, into Anna's food. I mean, it could have
2: just been sprinkling, sprinkling parsley on a spag bog. Might have been as simple as that. And people are saying, she's getting cursed. Spag bog. I'm sure they had Sp- spag bog back
3: in the 1800s. In a German community. Of course. Right. It's obvious. Okay. <laughs> I'll just leave that resting there. Okay. So, is there's no supporting evidence to that allegation, but is believed that Raisinger, um, by by Raisinger, that the locals believe Mina to be a witch. So, there is also no evidence to support allegations that Mina murdered four children, as asserted during the exorcisms.
2: Right, and the other thought with that one is that it could have been um, she. Uh, gave uh, herself abortions, mm-hmm. which in uh, the Catholicism's eyes or Christianity's eyes is looked as as murder. Mm-hmm. So it might not that she actually murdered four babies, mm-hmm. but she gave herself four abortions. Mm-hmm. So right. that that's just another aspect I read of it. Again, no proof, mm-hmm. just um, and could be cot
3: death as well. It could be. Yep. So these, these are all these stories that are now mingling within the community and we know what happens with those stories. They and, yeah. they just grow bigger and bigger. And
2: particularly if it's brother and sister that are copulating with children, then there would be um, health issues. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Oh, well, somebody's woven.
3: Mm. So prior to 1908, Anna is described as being a religiously devout Catholic... Now, suddenly, around 1896, at the age of 14, she begins to experience severe issues with attending church and receiving communion. So, number one, she's 14. Yep. All right, so at that age where things are starting to happen yeah, for her. Yep. yep. She begins describing comp- compulsions to smash holy water fonts and to harm priests. Oh. She also begins to suffer from signs of depression as well as unhindered sexual thoughts now that could be anything at all asking for advice asking for what is happening to her um, because she is now menstruating just asking for advice may be seen in that little township or within that family as having overarching sexual thoughts Mm. We don't talk about those things. Oh, no, and she doesn't have a mother to talk to about it anymore either. Right, yep. So she's believed that she is becoming insane and this could also be attributing to issues... um, uh, with a dissociative reaction to the death of her mother, so her mother has died at this point in time, and she yeah is going through all of this depression, anxiety. She's got no one to ask. All of this stuff is going on. She's angry as all hell. Her father isn't helping because he he, he well, thinks she's fathers
2: don't go near their daughters at yeah. that stage of life in that era. Yeah, but who, all... who did she have to tell her about the changes in her body?
3: No one. No one. No one. No one. So she's referred to doctors, she's referred to a number of doctors, and while many of Anna's complaints can possibly be symptoms of hallucination or pure hysteria or nervous spells, none of the doctors really want to pinpoint any issues. They really say, look, Actually, we can't find anything terribly wrong with her. She's probably just a a normal 14, 15 year old going through the changes in life. Mm. Um, Yeah, she's she might get hysterical and and, you know, have issues with her temper, but we can't actually find anything wrong. Um, They actually say she is normal in the fullest sense. So it should be noted that in 1908, medical science had only the most primitive understanding of mental illnesses. And giving today's understanding, it's possible that the Eckland case could have had a dramatically different history. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, they're running out of things to kind of you know say about poor Anna. So of course, they say she's a, possessed. Bring in a priest. If in Let's doubt, try that. Yep. So he um, arrives, Father Theophilus Reisinger, and oh, he looks—he
2: looks like Rasputin. Yeah. I just have
3: to say. Yep. And it's, oh, I'm going to post this picture up. You can see this jolly little man with the biggest cross on his chest ever. Have you seen the photo of all of them from the monastery he came from? No, it, I haven't. It's like ten
2: Rasputins all <laughs> sitting there with their long beards and their big crosses. It's—it's it's pretty funny. I'll see if I can find that too.
3: So he is a Capuchin monk, uh, and he's working at St. Ath- St. Anthony's, which is a local church. And he's considered an expert in exorcisms and one of the few Americans with experience in that area. He's special. Yeah. So let's let's put it in the time frame as well. So you've got America, late eighteen hundreds. boards just been created. Ouija boards just been created. Um, everyone's getting into spiritualism. Oh, it is coming yes. across from um, the the bad. Lands of Europe, and it is seeping its deep dark tendrils all through the communities mm-hmm. um, of uh, America. Um, the, the Catholics are bringing in pastors and priests and uh, people from. So I told you, pastor was there. <laughs> You didn't believe me, oh, cow I told and her. and are bringing uh, more people in to help um, instill and uh, anchor in Catholicism into the bad, bad lands of America. And so here comes Father Reisinger. Now, let's talk about him just for a moment. Uh, he's born in Stelsa, Bavaria, Germany, uh, in 1868, and at the age of 21, he enters a monastery. Oh, that's got to be problems. When he failed to become a brother in the Capuchin Order, he left to further attend school. Is that uh, the Cappuccino Order? Ca- Capuchin. Capuchin. I cappuccino. there I certain... a coffee. Yes, yeah, so do I. Uh, so he graduated from school in uh, 1892 and left for St. Fidel's Monastery in New York City. After a few weeks, Reisinger moved to Detroit to become a novice in the order. He was ordained on the 29th of June, 1899, and his first assignment was back at St. Fidelis. Monastery in New York, God, what was Saint, Saint, Saint Fidelis. Saint Fidelis. F- Fidelis. Uh, he was fluent in Italian. Oh God, here we go. Uh, as well as English and German, important. He was fluent in Italian as well as English and German. Yeah. Racinger was reassigned to Saint Michael in Brooklyn, and around nineteen twelve, Racinger had his first demonic encounter. And it happened to involve Anna Eklund. So this is the first time he was called oh. to do the exorcism. This was his first Oh, this is when she was exorcism. younger, 14. Yes. Yeah, his first exorcism. Between his first exorcism with Anna Eklund and then when he sees her for the set of exorcisms that come next that you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. he's become a champion for the cause. He's an expert. He, he's now an expert. Yep. He In- takes one. Interesting, interesting. So this started the priest down the road of his lifelong calling to battle evil. It was almost during. It was also during this time that Racinger became, uh, because of his association with Marxists, was exiled by the archdiocese, um, and he was exiled to Wisconsin. Oh, so he had different ideas mm. mm-hmm. we, we must not have different ideas mm. from 1912 until his death um, in 1941 he served in the Midwest preaching was his main work exorcism was an occasional task assumed at a bishop's request now one of the key components in determining the existence of a demonic entity and a possession is the ability of the possessed to understand languages they should not know now in Satan Be Gone Vogel speaks on behalf of Racingus and states that the exorcist concluded that Eklund was only a basic element had only a basic elementary education, but understood languages such as Latin, which she could neither read nor write. Latin or German, but if she went to school, and it had been a strict Catholic, attending church. That she was would all, know Latin. All done in Latin. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to. You're going to take that bit on what happens next, but I, I kind of just wanted to set up this whole idea of Anna being just a normal child, with literally no influences that we know of, mm-hmm. either other than a deeply disturbed home life. Apparently, allegedly. Allegedly, a deeply disturbed... It is because her mother has passed, at least. Yes, so she's got trauma that she has to deal with. Her father is obviously not paying attention to her, but whether he is actually having an affair or not, it's a speculation that's being made by the community. Now... Oh, they don't gossip in little towns, do they? No, they don't. No. But where has this story come from, and why? That's the next big question. I, I mean, does a story like this is a story like this created out of nothing, out of thin air, because someone has um, uh, a bone to pick, or is there a sense or a a grain of a grain of truth?
2: truth. That's
3: what it is. Is there a grain of truth? And this is what happens so
2: many times. There is a grain of truth to the story, particularly in movies, which they then
3: embellish. Yes. So this is... She's had an exorcism with Singer. He apparently says, it's done. I have done it. It's all good now. We can go on with our normal life. And nothing much is heard from what we know, really, other than it doesn't seem to be fixed.
2: She but still they all said, Oh, it's fixed now. Yeah, oh, it's she successful. still
3: goes on with stuff. Don't tell me it was another exorcism that didn't work. But he <laughs> he walks away going, I've done my job. Yep. It's it's fine. And let's consider that this is the very first time he's done this. Yeah. So he needs to say I've done a good job. Of course he does. All right. Um I will now let you have the platform
2: okay over to Ms. me miss
3: rekovich and let's go with the rest of the story okay
4: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: So, my turn. Right. We, we've just actually paused the, the um, uh, story, the yep. recording, because we, we're getting some confusing, contrasting things, and we ran out and grabbed a coffee as well, but uh, So Renata's taken it when she was possessed at 14 and uh, all that. Now, I have notes that say by the time she was 26, Mm -hmm. she was widely regarded as possessed. Mm -hmm. So I can only assume that means that... um, the possession has kicked back in again. Uh, But then it says, and sorry, the 18th of June 1912, uh, Father Theo comes in and carries out an exorcism on her. Yes. And it appears to be effective. So that to me sounds like it's the first exorcism. Mm
3: -hmm. But she says it was 26. Um, So much confusion. Yeah, so. And,
2: and, yeah. Yeah,
3: we've got another exorcism that comes in and then we've got another exorcism in 1928. Yep nineteen twenty eight so they they're
2: saying that um uh, the possession uh, sorry, the exorcism was successful, however, shortly afterwards she became possessed again. The reason being so this is why they're saying she got possessed again is because her father and his lover Mina cursed the spices in her meal Uh and invited devilish spirits to take control of her Mm -hmm. because she wouldn't enter into the incestuous Mm -hmm. pack they were in a
3: threesome
2: yep with your father and your
3: auntie
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know Oh, no but then I have it says Anna was 46 years old yeah when father Theo began to help her again
3: yeah
2: so was she 14 26 or 46 or 30 I who knows yeah but look look we we've we've had the first one it was supposedly successful yeah. but apparently this father yes. and and auntie have now sprinkled um cursed spices on her food yeah. and she's possessed again yes
3: yeah so let's let's take it from there yeah.
2: So this time he comes in with Father Steiger. Um, so they decided to move her to a convent run by the Franciscan nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently at this nunnery, <laughs> I like to call it a nunnery, the... we the, uh, <laughs> got a ways.
3: I can't laugh. This is so... It's okay. You're it's, allowed to laugh at things. It's, it, oh, it's a dreadful, dreadful story. It is. Story. It's a
2: dreadful story. But, you yep. know, if we don't laugh at life, we'll just sit in a corner and rock. Um, which I find her doing quite often.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't spit your coffee. Right. So, one of the things that they used to do there is the nuns would routinely just bless their food. Thank you, Lord, for this food that we have received, this bountiful offering. Yes. Apparently, Anna didn't know about that. However, whenever she was presented with food at the convent, she just flatly refused it. Yes. So they started to pre- prepare her unblessed food. Yes. And um, she would know when it was blessed and not blessed.
3: Yes. They were testing her, those nuns.
2: Oh, nuns test me at any time, let <laughs> me tell you. Right. Now, mm-hmm. when Anna was taken to this convent... Yes. She was placed on an iron bed. Now, a lot of these things I'm going to be telling you here mm-hmm. are from yes. be, gone, Satan, be Gone Satan, bestseller pamphlet. <laughs> and I, I do have to have a little giggle at some of the wording that they do use. Um, I have to, hang on, I'll just find the one where it says the actual quote from the, uh, they, they call them strong-armed nuns. So there were strong-armed oh, well, nuns. Can I tell
3: you they are strong-armed nuns? Well, because I... when I got whacked with a ruler... Bloody
2: hurt, didn't it?
3: Oh, my me God. Me too. Oh, I couldn't write with that hand for a week.
2: Yeah. Tell me about that one too. Anyway, Anna was placed in an iron bed with six strong nuns restraining her. Her clothes were tightly bound to prevent her from ripping them off. Mm-hmm. Anna clamped her mouth shut and passed out before the ritual began. She exhibited many of the characteristics that have been reported in previous cases of possession. Superhuman strength, springing from the bed to grasp the wall above the door, speaking in tongues and disclosing secrets she could not have known over the following days. Mm-hmm. Nobody tell us what those secrets secrets were. No.
3: Oh, God. No.
2: Killed to find out those secrets.
3: And how could she spring up from the bed when she was tied to it?
2: Tied to it and held down by six strong-armed strong armed nuns. nuns. Can we get a t-shirt with that? Can we get a t-shirt with six nuns bearing their muscles? No. 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 I think we might no. get in trouble. Really? Now, oh, so,
3: we're already in trouble. Uh, okay. Um,
2: Now, let me just have a quick... This is another one of these ones where I've got notes everywhere. Um, She was supposedly possessed by inhuman Mm -hmm. and human spirits. Mm -hmm. Now, the inhuman spirits were Lucifer himself. Mm -hmm. He's come to make a show. Beelzebub. Mm Mm-hmm. Y the devil put aside no. <laughs> go yeah,
3: go ahead. Yep. Judas they love Judas they
2: do like Judas likes to pop up here and there and yeah. does he did you know that he was the patron saint of um, uh, suicide no or the patron demon of suicide not saint he's not a saint he's a demon because what he does is when he gets into your head he tries to convince you to commit suicide. <gasps> like he did himself because remember he betrayed Jesus yes and then hung himself which is an unforgivable curse as far as the catholic church is concerned yes. um so he is known as the patron demon of suicides
3: right mm. thank you for that enlightenment me
2: anytime um so there is also uh the human Jacob the right. girl's father oh
3: yes yes
2: That is true. Uh, Now, so he must have died by this stage, I'm assuming. Uh, He was condemned to hell because he cursed his daughter to be defiled by demons Mm -hmm. because she would not commit incest with him. We do not know if he was successful, but once in hell, the devil gladly allowed Jacob to continue his molestation of his daughter despite the fact he was no longer amongst the living.
3: This is fucked up. (laughs) This is truly fucked up I'm sorry I've just got to use that word
2: Yep And Renata never uses that word lightly Now she was also possessed by Mina Yes Interesting name that they've used there isn't it Yes Because she pops up in many legends Mm -hmm. Particularly vampiric ones That's right Mina was Jacob's mistress, mistress who condemned to hell because she had led a prolonged immoral life mm-hmm. with Jacob while his wife was still alive according to this article. Yep. Um and this oh, where did that one come from?
3: Yeah. And this this goes back to um Anna and uh when she's 14 and she's seeing Allegedly seeing some of this happening And this is while her mother is still alive So that kind of fits the dialogue The narrative yep.
2: And she was also committed to hell This is Mina Because she was a child murderer Having murdered four children in her lifetime While this cannot be confirmed It is believed that these children were her own And they were killed during the process of abortion Hmm,
3: hmm.
2: Hearsay yet again hmm. She was also possessed by many, 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 many additional lesser demons.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Poor Chook, she's good. No wonder she was bulging at the seams in mm-hmm. some of the stories here. Can I interrupt just for a minute? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. something
3: has just struck me. Yep. Um, we're watching a TV show at the moment. It's called 1883, and it's a precursor to Yellowstone, if anybody's been watching Yellowstone. And this is a story of families coming out to America and crossing. The Great Divide to get Mm -hmm. over to the other side and settle. And interestingly, uh, in the last episode I was watching, one of the main characters actually asks these people who are all German, actually, why are you leaving your European country to come here? And they say because we aren't allowed to do anything. We are we are literally not allowed. You can't swim. You cannot even go and have and go swimming. It's not allowed. So if you kind of put that in the context of what we're looking at, these families here are in that same time frame Mm -hmm. in the 1880s where they have come over to settle in America. And this... um, township where so they be are first in, generation yeah marathon is settled by Germans yeah. the whole township is Germanic and you've got to go back to their supernatural history and their their tales that they they are very involved with vampires and and um, uh, that sort of superstitious mm. stuff,
2: the
3: yes, which would have come over with them when yeah. they came out to this to this new American country. Now they would have had to do the whole travelling bit. Yep. Um, so if you kind of want to see this, watch 1888. That's not a plug, but it is. Yeah. Um, Because you I'll can kind of it. get a... a so it's not, not 1838. It's no, 18-
2: 1888. 1888, right. That's okay. what it's
3: called. And it's yep. a precursor to the Yellowstone mm-hmm. um, series that is out now. Um, but it's really interesting that you've got this dynamic of all of these families coming over and resettling and what they have left behind, which gives us an idea of why these people think the way they do mm-hmm. about all of this.
2: So I just want to read you a little bit from The Begone Satan. Um, this one here is about the strong armed nuns bound her placed her upon a bed, but soon Father Theophilus began the long series of prayers and commands to the devil to depart. With lightning speed, the possessed dislodged herself from the bed and the hands of protectors and her body carried through the air, landed high above the door of the room and clung to the wall with cat-like grips. It was necessary to pull her down by force. Um, so the demons had... To uh, started to identify themselves and that's where they talk about one being judas one being the dead father um and i just find this fascinating that also um they talk about the four murdered little ones apparently that's where that came into mm-hmm. it so now we've tracked down where the four murdered little ones came from mm-hmm. well, i want to talk to you about some of the other ...things that would happen that were signs of her being possessed. Yep. Um, She uh, levitated completely off the ground on more than one occasion. Um, Superhuman strength. Yeah, as we mentioned, she was in the laying down position and leapt onto the wall... um, uh, ...where she maintained her crouching position, defying gravity. Uh, While she was unconscious... Voices would talk, blaspheme, and verbally assault anyone present, but not through Anna's mouth. It came from her throat, but her lips never moved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Once again, this is all coming from one person's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. She vomited, spit, drooled, urinated, and defecated inhuman amounts of or quantities of solids and fluids. It was reported that Anna was urinated, urinating buckets worth of liquid and that it is at a time where she was hardly eating or drinking anything at all during the day.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. The, could the, be her
2: body shutting down.
3: The nuns were taking out bucket loads.
2: Bucket loads of pee. Um, she would vomit up items such as tobacco leaves and other debris which resembled... Spices. Ah, right. And this is where you're getting the tie yeah. back that yep. Mina the demon is sprinkling spices on her food. Right. Apparently mm-hmm. they can see that mm-hmm. in her vomit. Mm-hmm. How do you see spices in someone's vomit and poop? Um, <laughs> you're going to dig through it way. and have a look? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, her head physically elongated and swelled at certain times. Mm-hmm. Her body almost seemed it would expand to the point of severe bloating to where it appeared that Anna would almost double her normal size. It's called Christmas dinners mm-hmm. and way too much cake over Christmas. Mm. We're both suffering from that. Mm-hmm. Don't think it's demonic. No, but sorry. Um, and then it would retract back to its normal size. Mm-hmm. Mm, allergies can do that to you.
0: Mm.
2: But I don't know. Um, Her lips reportedly on some occasions grew to the size of hands.
3: Yeah, that to me is like yeah that's allergies it's, but it's like because i've had that happen but not to the size of hands but yeah who's, pretty bad who's hallucinating here this is the thing if mm. if father theophilus is doing this continually and this went on for like 23 days or something
2: so he wasn't sleeping or anything himself he just kept at it and at yeah, it
3: he would have been suffering from hallucinations himself
2: now this is a good one she exhibited signs of possessed gravity have you heard of possessed gravity? No. Okay, so that's while she was laying in a bed that she became so dense physically that her weight changed and the iron bed frame would bend.
3: Oh, right. You mentioned that in the soundscape. Yeah.
2: So that her her weight be, could become denser and heavier. Mm-hmm. Mm. She spoke many languages she did not know, and apparently one of them was Polish. Yes. I'd have a conversation with
3: her,
2: but let, let, let's see. Uh, she displayed instances of hidden knowledge, as we mentioned, and I did find one of them. She predicted an almost fatal car accident, which would stri- strike Father Stryker, uh, warning him, warning for him to walk away from the exorcism and to rescind his invitation to the priests. So that was part of the hidden knowledge. Anna would verbally assault the nuns present and the priest uh, by reciting sins they had committed in their childhoods. Yes, oop, bit
3: of
2: bit of secrets coming out there. Apparently, there were inhuman and unbearable smells that would constantly assault the senses of all those present. I had to spray a bit of spray around the room yesterday because there was a few of those happening in here. I hope Renata didn't notice. Hordes of flies and mosquitoes would suddenly manifest and then disappear just as quickly. Now, these sounding all familiar to you. Yeah. yeah we'll get to that. Yes. We will get to it. But one of the other things that happened, and this is unusual in a case of possession, is that one of the priests had a lucid, vivid, waking vision with his sixth sense during the exorcism. Now, first off, we're admitting there is a sixth sense. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you mentioned that they may have been so exhausted that they were hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Is this what happened? Mm-hmm. Has he had a hallucination? Mm-hmm. Um, then what they saw was both both Lucifer and Beelzebub standing in the corner confined there. The room was completely set aflame in his vision and Lucifer described as being extremely tall with matted black fur on his lower extremities um, hooved at hoofed feet, wearing a crown, was seething with rage at Father Theophilus because he was confined by God's law and was unable to cause physical harm to a person. Belzebub was also there as his second in command, although seething in rage was not quite as vocal. What an amazing thing. Wow. Now we're going to this is all going on right. Yeah. I need to get over into my other pages now. So this exorcism lasted 23 days. It was divided into three sessions, apparently, between the 18th of August and the 23rd of December. Uh, and the sessions were quite often interrupted by bouts of howling and screaming that only subsided under their constant prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes extra minor demons interrupted proceeding and caused Anna's face to become hideous and unrecognizably distorted. Apparently it was so bad that some of the nuns asked to be transferred out of their nunnery to a different nunnery. Yes. They couldn't cope with that. And I think, yeah. Fair enough. Some of them go there because they can't cope with the outside world and it's mm-hmm. a, a better place for them to be mm-hmm. and to have all this ruckus going on. But you know, anyway, on the final day, 23rd of December, Anna suddenly stood upright on her bed. It looked like she was about to levitate again, but Father Theophilus blessed her and called out, Depart ye fiends of hell, begone Satan, the legion of Judah reigns. Anna fell back onto the bed, and the shouts of departing demons came from her. Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, hell, 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 and an unbearable odour filled the room. The last sign of the defeated demons As Anna opened her eyes and smiled She then praised Jesus for her deliverance Praise Jesus Yes So look I just wanted to give you a bit of a summary Of what went down Because we can only report it from this one document Until we start to look at the other document That may offer some Different alternatives.
3: Yes. So, Renata, would you like to introduce that one? Right. <clears throat> so, there is another document uh, apparently that is uh, available, really, really hard to try mm-hmm. and get a hand, a handle on. Um, but we found some snippets. But we did find some snippets. And this is called The Secret History of the um, Erling Exorcism. And apparently, it's written by um, someone else who was there at the time. Um, And it does fill in some information about what happened during the whole uh, exorcism that occurred. But then uh, the person that uh, writes this has a bit of a say on the background of what is going on within America at the time and why this may be something that led to being required so that Catholicism could really, as I mentioned before, Anchor itself within America. It provided on, a ni- nice little list, didn't it? Yeah, it was on it was on tenuous ground. It, <clears throat> it was something. What was happening was that people were finding. Um, these roots of escapism from their their countries of origin and they wanted to come out to America to start a life a life of freedom which is what America was the signal for you come here for freedom and to start a new life so they had been going through a lot a, a lot of tumultuous things to get to their new destinations they were feeling that sometimes God was no longer on their side and Catholicism was dissipating throughout the community, so it was important that if things were occurring within the ranks of the people, that pastors and priests and the clergy could get a hold of it and really kind of put this spin of hell and damnation back into fear, yeah, back into the um, congregation, so that they could understand that God was here with them in America. He had not left. They had not left him behind. They tried
2: to escape so they could go swimming?
3: Yeah. He had followed them to their new destination. And hellfire <coughs> and brimstone rained. And so Thou shalt not do all the naughty things that you think you can um, or you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. right? So when all of these beautiful young people um, were going through their trials and tribulations, it was still very easy for the community to label them as witches or label them as hysterics or label them as possessed mm-hmm. or uh, demonically inclined, Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of fell right into the hands of the clergy, um, which would then take over because the clergy were still the main gatekeepers of of the truth, as it were. So you come to the clergy to find the truth of what is really happening in the reality of the world. And
2: of course, there was something that came up against that whole... Ideology wasn't oh, yes. there
3: where people could take their own power back, yes, and that was spiritualism. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking about the time as well when spiritualism was coming to the fore, it had already created a hornet's nest over in Europe, and it was something that was taking power away from the churches. And again, spiritualism came over to America, yep, uh, and started to grow very much in America because of the need for people to look at a way of being able to come to terms with the death and deaths within families and their trauma and their their sense of fear of not knowing what is going to happen next and being able to continue to believe that there is some sort of life after death. Yeah. And that's all spiritualism really was. Yeah. It was this continuation of the faith yeah. that was literally faithless because it wasn't about Catholicism, Protestantism, Methodistism, or any other yeah. isms that were around. This was spiritualism of faith within itself mm-hmm. that was really all encompassing and non-dominational denominational and saying yes there is life after death we're going to prove it to you we
2: can talk to them directly We can talk
3: to them directly
2: and we don't need a priest or god or anyone to intercede for us to help us speak to our loved ones on the other side we can do
3: it ourselves. We can do it ourselves. That didn't go down real well did it? It didn't go down well and so it was really really important for these other uh, major religious bodies to look at how they could combat this new thing mm-hmm. that was coming in mm-hmm. and um, as I said before uh, leaking through into the community where people everywhere were sitting down on a Friday or Saturday evening and speaking to their dead relatives. Now that is an abomination as far as the the major religions were concerned.
2: Yeah. Now we're going to have to crack on because we're going to end up going really, really onto a, a very long episode. It's probably going to be more than an hour, guys, but hang with us because this is a really good one. Now, just as we're um, Renata's going to report on that particular article, I want to point something out to you. Did you know that this case was studied by William Peter Blatty? Does that name sound familiar? Mmm. Yes. He was the author of The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And what he did is he took all of these things that were from this case and popped it on top of the supposed true story of this other possession case, such as the levitation, projectile vomiting. Sound familiar? The, the the girl with the projectile vomiting. Yeah. A young woman physically restrained on a bed. Yep. Yeah. Um so that's where he got all that information to create the true story of the haunting, mm-hmm. which was not a girl, it was a boy. But um it it became the trope the of what a a possession and an exorcism was. This is now what people said, Oh, you're you've got a possession if you've got these things happening if you're levitating if you're speaking in languages if you're got um knowledge you shouldn't know and you need to be tied to a bed this came from this begone satan yes and the report by father theo father theo yep yeah. um but i've got more to but just, just can we go on to your little bit about what this other article pointed out
3: yeah look I'm, I'm going to read a little bit because i i was busy trying to um i can't i couldn't get a hold of the article itself because we did approach um for a copy and of course no one sent it to us and we're we
2: gonna have to pay like a hundred bucks yeah, to try and get it when yeah, it's like yeah we
3: can't yeah and that was just in the e-book um, so um, I did a bit of copy and pasting, so I want to try and do my best to just read a little bit of what is uh, in this to give us a bit of an idea of, of what might be going on. So, can attention be riveted by reports of the prolonged Catholic exorcism of a possessed woman in Erling, Iowa? It became the best-known case of a supernatural event of the decade and one of the last episodes of demonic possession in modern Catholic history. The exorcist brother, Theophilus Riesling, Riesling, Riesinger. All over Riesinger, class, maybe a bottle. Was known as the warrior knight. And he claimed that he'd driven billions and billions of devils from the body of the 40-year-old Emma Schmidt by addressing them in English, German and Latin. The woman had been diagnosed as a pure hysterical case by doctors, uh, but the doctors had failed to help her. Brother Reisinger, by contrast, had already successfully treated 19 cases of demonic possession. By merging the past and present and er- the Erling case became an event that propelled Catholics from homo- homogeneous... Big no, ...homogeneous... From a homogeneous time to a messianic time, transforming the USA into a battleground where cosmic forces are always wrangling and shaping an environment.
2: So, from a nice time back to the to the uh, let's club each other each other over the head stage.
3: Well, it was like. From the melding of all of these people. Back... It's a bit
2: like people believing in COVID and not believing COVID, quite frankly. Yeah,
3: yeah. Back, back to going, no, um, we're, it's hellfire and brimstone. So the message to American Catholics was clear. Even though Christ casting out um, the devils took place in ancient Palestine, today in the cornfields of Iowa, Lucifer the Antichrist was still lurking to snatch the unwary. Let's put him back in the foreground. Let's remind everyone that the devil is still here.
2: And have you got a bit more there, or because yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I've got something on it's the antichrist as well?
3: Freaking juicy as yes. hell! All right. A function of the case was to deflect anger at God. To the hatred of the devil, to, to the hatred of the devil, lyrics suffering injustice in the United States could not blame the omnipotent God. So it is not surprising that as members of the camp of Christ, they turned to messianic genres and militant record rhetoric to express their emotions at Erling's um sorry, misuse of the bodies of women. A function of the case was to deflect anger away from God. To the hatred of the devil.
2: Yeah, so they didn't want God to be. If things were going bad in your life, it wasn't God's fault. It yeah. was the devil.
3: Yeah, so they were going. They were going through injustices in the United States, and they didn't want anyone to blame the omnipotent God, uh, and they wanted the members of the camp of Christ to rem- to be reminded of. Um, The devil and and his bad doings so that he he could appear in any form um, and take over. Because
2: let's face it, bad things in life don't happen. Everything's love, light and beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, Car accidents don't happen. uh, Children don't die. Um, And if it did, it's the devil's fault. Mm -hmm. God wouldn't do that to you. And
3: (laughs) one of the other things was this thing about women. Um, And there was another case prior to this um, and it was a woman involved and um, um, I can't find who it is um, at the moment but there was another bigger case that started all of this it wasn't about a possession but this woman was actually suffering from um, the um, scars of Christ oh the, yes the um, what's it called when you have them in your um, hands and your feet the stigmata stigmata yes that kind of got into um, the 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 Catholic Church into a bit, bit of a, a dither as well, and again, it was a female, and this is all about the females also knowing their place, right? Because when you look at it, a lot of these possessions and things um, are to do with young women, yes, not powerless. Men. Yep, um, and so they kind of make un- us the weaker sex. Unleashed Buddha. on her, and this became uh, like they said the barometer of the omnipresence of Satan his possessive schemes in the fragility of religious life against his designs. This was also affirming the church's condemnation of spiritualism as demonic and a false form of worship.
2: So they were trying to get rid of the spiritualists who were um, coming up in favor and they were trying to put the fear of God back into everyone and make, make it that talking to the spirits was demonic. Yes. Yep. And... Can I just... Back to the Antichrist thing yeah. with Father Theo. He had an agenda. Yep. He wanted to show that the Antichrist was coming. Mm-hmm. And he he said that uh, Father Theoph- Theophilus, basing his opinion on numerous experiences with cases and possession, believed that the hour of the Antichrist is not far distant and that Lucifer himself was present for about 14 days in the Erling case. With all the forces of hell at his disposal, he tried his utmost to make this a test case. Mm-hmm. He wanted to prove that the Antichrist was coming through this case and he was the one that was having visions of the demons and he had them boxed in a corner and it was his power that were holding them at bay. Do we feel an, a case of I'm special coming on? Mm. Apparently Lucifer said, if I could... I would have choked you long ago. If only I had my former powers, you would experience what I could do to you. Uh, Through the powers of Christ, he had been deprived of his original might. Even now, though exorcism, his influence was further diminished. Father Theo asked him one time, What can you accomplish, you helpless Lucifer? To which he replied, What could you do if you were bound as I am? Now, he has an ulterior motive and he is showing how special he is through visions that only he can see Mm -hmm. and only he has reported. Mm -hmm. Are we seeing something here? Mm -hmm. But there is something that's even worse. Still? There is something even worse. Mm -hmm. because Let's
3: all remember also that this is something that um, the church put its stamp of approval on. Yes. Yes. Okay, the highest person in the church put his stamp of of approval on this. What happens
2: now is that we have people like the Warrens who take this information and they put it into a book saying this is what happens in exorcisms and it's virtually word for word from these cases mm-hmm. um this is from the book demonologist the extra, extraordinary career of ed and lorraine warren by uh gerald brittle um as the exorcism progresses continues ed the possessing entities usually pour forth vulgar blasphemous language crude filthy gutter talk yeah, yep. Tick. sounds familiar. Tick, uh, speaking a gross, inhuman voice. These things will also cha- challenge the scriptures being read, and sometimes even correct the exorcist, um, happening to omit a phrase or mispronounce a, a word um, in Latin or English. Tick. Uh, the insults and slanders will later change into a demoralizing personal assault directed on all these present. These spirits, you see, know only, uh, not only know the scriptures; they also know the life everyone in the room. Tick. Uh, They'll try to drive the exorcist and his assistants away by bringing up hurtful incidents in these people's lives, Mm -hmm. recounting personal tragedies uh, with perverse delight. Uh, They'll reveal pain and sorrow, things that you're guilty about. Um, So he he basically lists off in their book the things that were happening in this case. There's more. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more.
3: Let's also put into context the fact that the Civil War had happened. We've got a whole country in trauma. Yep. So the Civil War was between 1861 to 1865. Lots of death, lots of trauma everywhere. Yep. And yeah, Lucifer was coming in the form of World War One.
2: Yeah. And we don't mean that as in Lucifer the devil or anything like that, but humanity.
3: Yep humanity was going down the tubes Yep. Um, in the form of World War 1 where the powers that be wanted wanted crisis yep so let's put all of this in context and let's let's just l- look back on this poor woman this
2: 14-year-old girl
3: this 14-year-old girl going back
2: to her yep with and, her aversion to holy objects and priests yep. and having sexual thoughts yep isn't yep. that just all guilt yep not having somebody there in her life to guide her. Yeah. Um, her father probably has taken on a lover at this stage because if the mother's gone, yep. that, that's probably what's going to happen.
3: And in some places it was known that if um, a uh, wife died or a husband died, the person left behind married another member of the family. Yeah. To keep it in the family. Yeah.
2: So it could have been the sister's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is mental health. Yep. I think this is a child that had no Support. help. Yep. Um, she was probably, um, her aversion to going to church is probably because she was so disgusted in herself mm-hmm. for firstly bleeding and she probably didn't know why mm-hmm. and having sexual thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's probably why she didn't want to go to church. Mm-hmm. So we have to wind this up. We could keep going and going and going. But... Is this a true possession and exorcism, Renata? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of ego here involved and a lot of manipulation, political yeah, manipulation.
3: Political, yeah, this, to, this became a political statement. And
2: then other people have jumped on the bandwagon thought, this is a good story. Let's incorporate it into my stuff as well because this sort of stuff sells. Yep. And today we are now stuck with all of that baggage yep. that has come yeah. from this.
3: You can't put it back in the box.
2: No, nope. nope, you can't. No. Nope. Oh, boy.
3: And we, look, our whole idea of entering into this particular case, which became something bigger than Ben-Hur when we opened it up, um, was to allow you all to think. Think really, really hard and consider uh, what we have just talked about because this is serious stuff. And as paranormal investigators, we find ourselves having to deal with these sort of we've
2: We're cases. facing people who have heard these stories and this they're ticking off the boxes yep. as far as they're concerned and they're sure they've got demons. Yep,
3: yep. guys we have to be very careful with the work that we do
2: we do and uh you have to be careful what you say to people we need to wrap this up thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of true hauntings please share it around um if you would like to consider becoming a patreon we'd appreciate that join us on youtube because so you can see our lovely faces and guys we'll see you on the dark side and remember
1: to
3: stay spooky
1: bye Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network.
0: Hold up.